Welcome to the Common Geeking Program, a book club podcast where each week three of us read up on a topic and discuss it from geeky and somewhat nerdy perspectives. Ooh. This week, I'm your host, Ryan Mossvarger, and we will be discussing The Good Place. And uh, specifically with that, the concept of the joy from the unknown, the joy from the unknown. Um, I'm joined by two people, each of whom has selected a domain they think connects to our topic and theme this week. They are... Hi, I'm Taimul Choudhury, or Chowder, whichever you prefer, and I will be repping Undertale slash Deltarune. And my name is Jeff Levitt, and this week I'm going to be repping Adventure Time with Finn and Jake. That is the full title of the show, right? It's not just Adventure Time? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it is. Ryan, are we doing the joy from the unknown or the joy from the unexpected? Same difference. Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unexpected, I feel like unknown. that's super different. <laughs> I, I think uh, in my mind, they're pretty similar. Uh, I have written down Joy of the Unknown, but Joy of the Unexpected, I think, also works out pretty well. Joy from the Unexpected is what you told us originally. Yeah, Joy from the Unexpected also works. I, I'm good um, with either of those things. I just have to pick a path. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think Adventure Time I mean, works for either, but... When I probably wrote this up, I was thinking that they were the same, but I could see how they, somebody might think they're a little different. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're the gonna... unknown is like, oh, the joy from things that you you are not have been not made aware of yet. Whereas joy from the unexpected is like the joy from things taking unexpected turns. Like, it... yeah, unknown turns. That's not the same, right? <laughs> <laughs> to me, it is. So we're gonna you, start by like, summarizing that's like, our topic. That's like if you don't know what one plus one is. And you're like, hmm, I wonder what that answer is. Versus if you think that one plus one equals five. And then you find out that it's something else. Those are very different. I don't know why I picked one plus one as my example. But... <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. But okay, we'll, we will go with the joy from the unexpected, even though honestly it could be the unknown. I don't know. Either um, way. Okay. Either way. <laughs> We're going to start by summarizing our topic and domains before we openly discuss. Uh, finally, we will close with a competitive rating section to determine who best contributed. So I'm watching you guys like a hawk. And whether today's topic was enjoyable. Or at least, you know, for good place, I'll say whether the, today's topic is delightful. Because I think it's delightful. <laughs> so now let's get started with the topic at hand. Uh, before we begin, I uh, just want to say real quick, if you have not seen The Good Place, it is a spoiler-heavy show. A lot of, I think, the capstone for the season is... There's a lot of spoiler stuff, a lot of references, a lot of callbacks. And if you don't want anything spoiled, um, just go ahead and watch the first season. We're going to try and keep it to the first season. Um, we will wait here until you get back. All right. I'm, okay, yeah, it's boring. I'm sorry. That was a bad idea. I, I, that was too long. It's, too, <laughs> it's 13 episodes. That's my bad. Um, all right. So let's get on with the, the kind of summary of the topic. So The Good Place is a fantasy comedy series on NBC that started in 2016. Uh, the general idea of the show is that according to how you act in life, you are assigned or deducted points by various and sundry metaphysical beings. I, uh, maybe this is not the exact right place to do it, but I went back to I went and rewatched the the first half of the first episode to get that that list that he throws that Michael throws it's up on real the screen. funny. <laughs> I I kept the list and I wrote it all down. So if we want to throw that in there and then yeah. edit some of it out later at some point, uh, I've got right. it up and available. 
Yeah, maybe we should do that. Would would that be a post edit type thing, or should we talk about it now? Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll read them all, and then and then the editor can disclose can decide which are the funnier ones. Editor's note: I'm leaving it all in. So they had a bunch of good things and bad things listed, uh, and then again, and then re- like right after that, they showed a bunch more good things from one specific person. So I'll start with just the general ones. The good things were eat a sandwich, hug a friend, <laughs> yep, <laughs> plant. Baba Bob tree in Madagascar. I don't oh know yeah, how... that's the big. That's the big uh, dumb looking trees that are like really. They're like chode looking. They're very thick, but not uh-huh. very tall. Boobob. How do you pronounce that? Boobob. Boobob. Okay. I think. Save a child from drowning. Pet a lamb. Politely tolerate stranger recounting New Yorker article at cocktail party. <laughs> Fix broken tricycle for child who is indifferent to tricycles. Fix broken. Fix broken tricycle for child who loves tricycles. End slavery. Remain loyal to Cleveland Browns. Remember <laughs> sister's birthday. Scratch elbow. Step carefully over flower bed. Maintain composure in line at water park in Houston. Sing to a child. Purify water source. In parentheses, village, and then it does colon pop population. greater than two hundred and fifty. Oh, population. yeah, population greater. Oh, 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 I see. Okay, I d- didn't understand that till reading that aloud just now. And then for the the general bad things, there was buy a trashy magazine, stiff a waitress, use Facebook as a verb, disturb (laughs) coral reef with a flipper, be commissioner of professional football league, in parentheses, American, poison a river, use the term bro code, rev a motorcycle, steal copper wiring from decommissioned military base, (laughs) tell a woman to, quote, smile, commit genocide, Ruin opera with boorish behavior. Root for New York Yankees. <laughs> harassment, parentheses, sexual. Blow nose by pressing one nostril down and exhaling. Oh, Fail to disclose camel illness when selling camel. Overstate personal connection to tragedy that has nothing to do with you. <laughs> <laughs> that one's that good. <laughs> and the, the well, more, there's another, here, well, I'll, I'll say him just for posterity's sake, but then it, it, it lives like one specific person's like all the good things that she's done. And uh, they're pretty, pretty stupid as well. Like a lot of the humor in the good places, just like, oh yeah, that mundane thing is uh, yeah. evil and sinful. Like, uh, paying money for a uh, what was it, Red Hot Chili Peppers concert? Yeah, <laughs> that, <laughs> that that'll is... get you to the bad place. Also, being from Florida, <laughs> uh, oh, that was so funny when, when they're trying to figure. Well, we'll get into it, but anyway, yeah. That, yeah, I don't need to do the rest of the list. It's not that exciting, but anyway, but yeah. So, so each one of those actions, good or bad, either or add points to your total score or deduct points from your total score, and depending. Uh, on the tally these various <laughs> metaphysical beings make you are either assigned to the quote good place, good place or the or quote the, yeah. bad place so you know heaven and hell cool there there's a hierarchy of like how you know like ending slavery was, gave you like a shit ton of points and eating a sandwich gave you like gave two you like points. one yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it avoids uh, it, it kind of avoids the whole religion thing pretty quickly in the beginning it basically they come out and say michael who is the <laughs> supposed uh, architect of this good place uh, neighborhood kind of says that every religion gets got about five percent right and that five percent right is if you do good things you will end up going to the good place and if you do bad things you will probably end up going to the bad place although like i mean i guess i haven't watched more of the show but there really doesn't seem to be a whole, a whole lot more to it than that yeah they haven't but then yeah. there, he says the thing that like 
Uh, there was one guy who got like stoned after work one day and <laughs> got just like ninety two percent right. right? Yeah. <laughs> and he has a picture, so a that's, framed picture of him at his wall. <laughs> so funny story. That's just a writer's random friend that took like kind of a corny eighties picture of himself a while back, and they're like, "Oh, we'll just use this image. It's kind of funny." So when that's that really funny. writer's friend came to the set, he was immediately like swarmed with people. He's not famous at all. He was like swarmed by like now all is. the stars of the show being like, oh, my God, it's you. It's you. Because they've been staring at that picture for like a year <laughs> at this point. So he's kind of like a famous figure to them, even though he has nothing to do with the show at all. That's not really famous, funny. Not nothing. He said it was very weird to have like Kristen Bell like come up to him and be like, oh, my God, it's you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the show. And um, Ted Danson was like he, he like ran up to him and gave him a hug. Like, <laughs> That's really funny. Because <laughs> it was in Ted Danson, who plays Michael's office. Um, but yeah, so they're assigned the... Yeah. Uh, the show centers, at least at first, around Kristen Bell's character, also uh, who's known as Eleanor Shellstrop, who seemingly by mistake was assigned to the good place, even though by all accounts, even her own, she is described as Arizona baked trash. Yeah. <laughs> she's <laughs> awful. Her, <laughs> yeah, she's pretty awful. It shows... The, and especially in the first season, it, they do a lot of flashbacks to what she was like when she was alive and there's not a whole lot of good she did um yeah <laughs> and it follows her misadventures and attempts to stay in the good place and kind of avoid detection and also become a better person yeah um at first and we'll kind of go back with the help of a fellow good place person who as we know cheaty cheaty uh yeah cheaty an ethics professor who uh is just like the nerdiest motherfucker there yeah. ever lived. Yeah, he's, he's great. He, his <laughs> life is his life is racked with the philosophical questions of: Is it more philosophically sound to get soup or to get a sandwich? That sort of thing. Like he can't make decisions because yeah. he's, <laughs> he is stunted by the philosophical nature of like. It shows him as a child at a certain point in the you know, the first season. Him like trying to pick somebody to join his team. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, should I pick a girl for like equality reasons? Or should I pick a man? Because that is also in its way like I shouldn't pick the girl because I'm pick like she's a girl. <laughs> I should pick her on merit. So I like I feel like that's kind of imposed upon him like halfway through the season though. Like re rewatching even some of it, like he doesn't really act that way at first, you know? Well, like there's I one episode where they decide that he's really indecisive and then from there he's like really indecisive for the rest of the show. But like in the first half of the season he's he's not really that indecisive. That's also kind of the I, I, it, that could be something they tonally shift as they, because they really like the guy that plays him and maybe that's a little piece of him. But also, the show kind of does this little twist where you think it's going to be all about Kristen Bell's character, Eleanor Shellstrop, and then it slowly broadens out and it becomes about this group of four people um, mm -hmm. who, uh, like, one is Tahani, uh, one's Chidi, one is Eleanor, and the other one is Jason. Um, <laughs> I love <and> Jason. <laughs> you mean Jihanyu? Yeah, Jihanyu, yeah. Jihanyu, or better known as Jason. So I think that's that could be it could be and potentially... it also focuses on Michael and and Janet yeah Michael a little and bit Janet. Too. I mean should should we be calling him Jason or John Yu uh, at least during this early part because yeah we'll say in the name... beginning John Yu yeah um, but yeah so <laughs> that is I a spoiler <laughs> that could that, that the the kind of reticence of like applying his his flaws could be to kind of the way they slowly open up the flower that is the good place. Mm -hmm. They make you think it's going to be a singular thing between Ted Danson and Kristen Bell, like them, like a lot of back and forth between them. And then it opens up on Chidi and then it opens up on Tahani and Jason. Um, but getting, we'll, we'll discuss this more in the discussion. We're getting kind of, we're getting off yeah. the, the, the main road of the topic summary. Um, yeah. I first saw the series on Netflix a few months ago. 
I was really bored on like a Thursday night. Um, there was nothing on everything. And I was really tired of like rewatching Parks and Rec and other stuff. So I just kind of Googled good shows to watch on Netflix. And I want to say like number three on the list was The Good Place. And it said, oh, from the creator of Parks and Rec and uh, writer of The Office, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, I'll start it. And like the first episode, I wasn't sure. I was a little confused by the premise. I liked it. And I was like, ah, I'll give it one more shot. And then I watched another one. And then I watched another one. And then I watched another one. <laughs> and then before... It's got, very, like, its tone is very, like, it's got dark humor, but it's also very, um... It's delightful. Uh, the word I was going to use is... It's I very, can't remember it. it I used a word. sitcom-y, in a yeah, way. Yeah, you know? it is in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I was, uh, I keep saying I was going to say, but I don't know what I was going to say yet, because I can't remember the word that I was thinking. It's very, um... Sardonic. It's a little bit surreal. Yeah, no, it's definitely surreal. It, it, it's a fantasy yeah. comedy to its core. Our best genre I could fit into is uh, magical realism. Like, it's, it's you know, m- m- about the mundane world in a sense, but it's got these fantastical elements that are su- in this mundane world of sorts. Yeah, so, like, kind of going back, before I knew it, I it was, like, 1 o'clock in the morning, and I was just kind of, like, on, I think, episode 10 or 11, and I just really, I can't, re- I just remember, like, oh, it's just another hour, I have, you know, it's 2, what's 2 o'clock if I wake up at 7 a.m. in the morning, like, it doesn't, and then I, f- like, forced myself to go to bed, but I was just, like, before I knew it, I was, like, I really like this show, and I wanted to watch more of it, and I was very happy to find out that, like, the second season was going to be coming to Netflix, and that they... We're in the process. They're only a month or two away from start airing the third season on NBC. So I got like really excited about this show. So the next day I started looking into it um, a little bit heavier. And the show creator, uh, some of you may know him. His name is Michael Shore or Sure. Uh, he was the guy that played Moe's in The Office. He was Dwight's cousin, I believe. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those two well-known, well-recognizable characters. <laughs> well, no, uh, Dwight is super recognizable. Yeah. yeah, not his cousin. No, his cousin is, too. He's in a, a decent amount. But he's also he was also a writer. He was kind of just a bit actor occasionally when they needed somebody to be there. But he was also one of the head writers or something like that. Gotcha. He is the show creator slash probably head writer for Parks and Rec. And he created Brooklyn Nine-Nine, two of my all-time favorite shows. When you said Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I'm like, okay, I'm probably going to like this show because I yeah, it's... love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And he got the idea for the show because he realized for like the past 10 years that in one way or another he'd been doing office comedies like parks and rec is kind of an office comedy the office of course is an office comedy and then brooklyn 99 it's different but it's still kind of focused around the police precinct in their office um and it kind of grew out of this idea that he or kind of game he'd been playing when he was stuck in la traffic whenever somebody would like let would let let him merge into traffic without being a butthole about it be like oh good for you like plus 10 points <laughs> and if somebody cut him off he'd be like oh no that's that's naughty that's that's minus 20 and, the, and like he started like focusing on that game. I was like, why? Like, does that make sense? Like, what if what if that was how metaphysically speaking the world worked? You were given points for doing good things. You were and like given bad points for doing bad things, but not just like necessarily bad things like murdering people, but also just making life inconvenient for other people. Just, yeah, just mediocre things. Yeah, yeah being me- mediocre yeah, is mediocre just dickishness. <laughs> So he kind of grew on this story. He'd ruminated it for a while. And by the time Brooklyn Nine-Nine came out and Parks and Rec was wrapping up, everybody wanted a show from him. NBC was like, blank check, do whatever you want. No matter how weird it is, we will follow through on it. And he's like, oh, no matter how weird it is, because I've got a really weird concept for a show. Um, 
And they rolled with it, surprisingly. Uh, he was a little bit surprised about it, but it worked. Um, I And I think it works really well. I love this show for a bunch of reasons. Um, the cast is really cool. I think they have great chemistry. Yeah. The premise is super original. I don't think, I can't think of really any show that has a similar premise as this show in kind of the way that it attacks some of these metaphysical questions using philosophy in real life wouldn't exactly be the first time that like someone depicted uh like heaven and hell as just and like all that work for them as bureaucratic as hell you know i mean i guess good omens is i've I've seen a plenty of number things that because it's like it's not you know i think that it paints itself as being like a a really vast departure from the heaven and hell idea but it's like it's not it's not really that original in the way that it depicts that's not original what i'm talking about the originality is kind of focusing in on the characters and making comedy from philosophical concepts okay making hay from things like the trolley problem uh-huh. I think they did a really that's probably the best explanation of the trolley problem I've ever heard yeah, yeah. like th- that were those were my favorite parts in the shows the times that it would take like the you know philosophical philosophical ethics problems and like deconstruct them and kind of poke fun at them at the same time w- what episode was the trolley problem again because I'm pretty sure that's a season two episode, isn't it? Oh, that might be a season two. So I didn't spoil anything, but I didn't give away any big... But there is something about a trolley problem in the second season. But some of the other questions they have in the first season, I think they re- they poke a lot of holes in like the categorical imperative. Talk about uh, deontism and... We, ta- we talked about uh, Eleanor and, and Chidi. Do we want to talk about jason and uh sahani what's her name sahani tahani uh we'll get into i got a, like a brief little summary and then we'll we'll get we'll kind of dig into them a little bit maybe in the discussion okay word um but yeah uh, but yeah like i was saying i really like the show um i compare it to lost in a lot of ways <laughs> yeah it's I, but <laughs> it's fun good and actually makes sense uh lost fanboys get at me uh <laughs> Because Lost didn't make sense. I there has been many, <laughs> there has been many uh, interviews with the creators of Lost who were like, "Yeah, after the second season, we just started writing random shit and whatever stuck on the wall, we just went with." Listen, I'm not, I'm not gonna argue for or against the sense making of Lost, but I think that there are a few instances in which this show doesn't make any fucking sense either. <laughs> but so. it makes, but it makes, it doesn't make sense in a fun way where it, like it's obvious that it doesn't make sense and it's not gonna matter to the plot in the future. Like, they can hand waste stuff. Oh, yeah, it's just whatever. That's how the universe works. But in Lost, they lead you to believe that it is a must-needed secret that is key to the next part of the story, and it never comes back again. <laughs> the, like, that does like happen occasionally. Bear. What does the polar bear mean? Nobody knows what the polar bear means. Um, like, the, like, the twist in uh, The Good Place, you know, actually works with the themes it's working with, whereas Lost, it's just a twist for the sake of having a twist. That's, yeah. that's oh. my feeling on it. And yeah. there is this, this show is kind of built around, around a central twist that I think is probably one of the best twists in modern television. There's not been many other times I feel like that I've been super surprised by the direction of a show. This Ooh. one completely blew my mind apart. I, I was pretty fucking yeah. bored when it happened. I'm like, oh my God. And, and listening to interviews, really? and there is a there is a good place podcast uh, that kind of goes over it. Listening to what people were saying before it, like even the cast didn't know until a certain point. I think the only person that knew was Ted yeah. Danson and El- and uh, Kristen Bell of the cast. They told them uh-huh. the rest of the cast maybe two episodes before it happened. Um, so like 
if you look back and you listen to how they kind of set up everything to make it seem very realistic, you start noticing all these things. It's like, oh, why does Michael never have any scenes really by himself? There's always somebody else in the room with him. And you kind of like go back. It's like, oh, and you start looking back. It's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense why they would always be kind of like in these awkward situations if they were really in the good place. And it just kind of builds on itself. The, yeah, but the podcast I, I listened to, it's by Mark Evan Jackson, who is also known, who's the cosmic judge in the show, Sean, and is ca- and also plays Captain Holt's husband in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, the premise was so wacky that when he showed up on set and was given the 20-minute pitch by Michael Shore, his first reaction of when, the, when Michael ended was, they let you make this show? They gave you money? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, and yeah, it's it's crazy how something so weird and esoteric kind of popped into something real and it seems Should to be we working. reveal the twist or no? Editor's note, you are about to hear a massive spoiler for The Good Place, season one and beyond. This will be discussed throughout the rest of the episode. You are forewarned. Please enjoy. Oh yeah. And the the, the season ending twist is that Eleanor has a brainwave and realizes that they are not in fact in the good place. They are all in the bad place yeah and it turns out everyone in their neighborhood besides the four of them is Our actually fake or whatever yeah kinda. yeah well, i'll work basically work to make people in the bad place miserable you know yeah mm-hmm. um but that pretty much wraps up my summary i mean but yeah. s- spoiler but, alert i guess yeah spoiler alert um uh, yeah we, we gave this... it at the in the intro yeah hopefully <laughs> we'll play it like five times <laughs> there's a little it's still, sound it's still for good it. even if it's ruined because i've rewatched segments of it and it's still funny um but that's the end of my topic summary how about we move on to those big boy domains uh, where our representatives get to summarize what they have brought to the table. Okay. Uh, hello. I'm. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> First up is Chowder. <laughs> Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Chowder. So uh, I'm going to be. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be talking about Undertale and Delta Rune. Uh, Undertale is a, a video game made made by Toby Fox. Uh, it was released on September 15, uh, two, 2015. It's a RPG that uh, that has a unique gimmick in that, well, two distinct gimmicks. One is that in during the battle system, there will be like a sh- sort of a bullet hell kind of shooter thing whenever you're attacked. So you can avoid damage by like dodging, uh, actually like, controlling a cursor and like dodging attacks and also that uh it's a game where you can choose to fight everyone you meet or you can try to be peaceful and uh try to solve the problem or solve combat by just uh uh talking talking to the enemy or just uh doing stuff in battle that'll uh uh end this end the problem peacefully it's hard to talk about undertale because it's like a game that really plays on your expectations it plays a lot with the tropes of video games like how video games expect you to fight everything under the sun which uh and it uh use and it uses that to create a story about consequences and choice and it really good so I'm going to try to avoid spoiling as much as possible, but it is kind of hard to talk about it. Uh, uh, and the other thing, uh, uh, and I want to talk about Delta, a uh, sort of sequel to Undertale. Deltarune has 
the same characters as Undertale, but they are in an alternate universe kind of thing where, so it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really have anything. It doesn't really uh, continue on or proceed any kind of story in Undertale. Hmm. So the thing about Deltarune is that uh, right now there's only one chapter. It's like a sort of teaser that Toby Fox released very recently. Uh, like October 31st, he released like the first chapter of Deltarune and uh, and like nobody saw it coming. Like, I think it was like the day before it came out. He was like, come back in 24 hours and you will see something and we come back in 24 hours uh we we open up like this website and uh it's like oh okay a survey program i guess he wants our opinions on something we open it up it's a three-hour fucking game (laughs) it's actually super cool i didn't know that that is unexpected it was for it was free too yeah, it was free. Uh, That's so great. What a yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's like a tease. It's a it's a it's a teaser. So you know, there's uh, more that'll come in a couple of years. But yeah, so could you like re-enter it though, or were you just like, oh, I'm about to do this 20 minute survey. Oh God, I've got to spend three hours. Well, no, no, no. It, I mean, you can save in the game, so it's oh, not okay. like <laughs> do the whole game in one sitting. It's like, haha, I tricked you. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha, nerds. Yeah, no, but yeah. You're like, like oh, uh, thank you. This is great. But also, this was bad timing. I had to go to work in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, like, uh, uh, so yeah, I'm talking about Undertale and Deltarune because what makes them so wonderful is how it always catches you off guard and, uh, and like how it, uh, just plays with your expectations. Like, Undertale, it's hard to talk about Twist in Undertale because I don't want to ruin it for anyone. Sure, it might be the grace period for spoilers on Undertale might have expired a little while ago, but... It might have expired, but I don't want to ruin it for everyone because it's so wonderful when, like, you go in blind and just completely get caught off guard yeah i agree that's why i was like trying to kind of skirt around the topic in the summary like i, <laughs> I knew i needed to say it but i didn't want to say it because it's just is there, so good is there maybe a a minor example that you could grant us to understand the uh the level of spoilers or is it all kind of interconnected it's all like kind of interconnected but okay i, I can uh, there's there's an example i can bring up uh one from undertale one from delta uh from undertale there's uh this moment where you're fighting the first boss right and uh and like no matter what like uh act of mercy you're tr- uh trying to do it nothing seems to quite work so you uh you can try uh weakening her and then like uh sparing her that's a thing you can do in the game like fight them but not kill them and then uh and make them weaker and then try to use the spare mechanic uh okay so and like in this scenario uh this boss toriel she she's not a bad person she's just trying to keep you from uh getting killed by the by other people uh so yeah, uh, when so what most players tend to do is like when they find that nothing they do is working, they try to attack her, try to weaken her, and spare her. But like many people will accidentally kill her because what you're supposed to do is just stall out the fight until until a certain point, and then the fight will end. Uh, hmm. So uh, so most people will accidentally kill her, and many people ha- were like, "Oh God, I killed her! I didn't mean to kill her!" And they will like shut down the game. And like start from the last save and like and you know go That's into fine. the fight again. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah. Here's, and here's the crazy part. So when you actually do manage to like end the fight peacefully without killing her, you can 
the next room you go into, the villain of the game, Flowey, uh, he he will come up and like he will call you out on the fact that you killed her and then started the game over again. It's a game that like breaks the fourth. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's and he'll be like, oh. You may have even think, if, wait even if you did it right the first time. If you no, if you did it right the first time, he won't. He'll be more like, okay, I see. How do they even track that? Uh, uh, the game's pro- no. That's that's the thing about the game. The game tracks a lot of what you do. It does huh. doesn't really that's forget neat. like who you kill and who you spare at, at all. Like like uh, the true pacifist ending cannot be achieved if you kill even like one enemy. You know, mm, that's crazy. That takes dedication. Yeah. So like if. You kill Toriel, but, like, start the game over to uh, deal with her peacefully. Flowey will call you out, and he'll be like, uh, you may think that nobody remembers, but I know what you did. I wonder, <laughs> can you keep on Can you keep on being peaceful, or will you let your frustration get the better of you? And- <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's funny. kind of like, uh, I think, in the first Metal Gear Solid game, where Psycho Mantis would, like, fuck with you and read your game files. Yeah, and, like, yeah. And switch your port <laughs> for which controller you had to put yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of... Yeah, it's a it's it's not dissimilar to that it, where the game gets a lot of like uh, mileage out of like uh, calling out things from you that you wouldn't expect the game to call you out on. Yeah, like, yeah. Calling you out on your gamer behavior. You're trying to game the system, kinda. Yeah, and uh, okay, I'm I'll be quick with the Deltarune example. Like at the beginning of Deltarune, it'll be like, okay, let's create a new character, you know, and like you know, do all the character creation stuff, and like. It's super creepy because it'll use language like, let's create our vessel. Choose the head that you prefer. Choose the torso <laughs> that you prefer. Choose the legs that you prefer. How, what is your favorite, or what is this vessel's favorite food? Soft, cold, sweet, salty, cold, pain. Uh, pain. <laughs> My uh, favorite flavor is pain. Blood muffin. What is your vessel's favorite blood type? A, B, A, B, C, D. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, like, it'll ask you all these things and you're, like, agonizing over uh, agonizing over it. Because, like, when you're first playing the game, you don't know what it's about. So it's like, what, what do I... It's not character creation? Yeah. And here's the thing. You create the character and then the game's like... This character, this wonderful character you have created will now be disposed of. It's too perfect to live. <laughs> Nobody has any choices. You're going to be Chris. <laughs> That's really funny. Your creation was too perfect to live. It cannot be. It cannot be. Yeah. And I feel like that Deltarune example might have been too much of a spoiler, but you get the idea. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's building the game. He's building up these really kind of crazy twists off people's expectations from playing games forever. Yeah, exactly. I dig that. Uh, In Undertale, you play as a character who falls down a hole and ends up in in a place where a bunch of monsters have been sealed. And like these monsters aren't evil. They're actually quite nice, but they for whatever reason, they've been sealed in this mountain. So now you're trying to find your way out. And in Deltarune, uh, it's kind of a similar story, except those same monsters that you meet in Undertale are like uh, people who live in the light world and you end up in the dark world where you meet completely different characters. Yeah, so that's and that that is Deltarune. So there you go. Thank you, Chowder. Yeah, I was uh, I really got to get into Undertale. I own it. I, I definitely need to play it. 
So now, Mr. Jeff, what have you <laughs> That's what brought to the table me. this week? Mr. Jeff, I, uh, I am... My name is Jeff. Ed, my name is Jeff. My have brought... My have brought... My have brought Adventure Time! <laughs> my have brought... <laughs> Adventure Time is a uh, a cartoon that w- ran on Cartoon Network from April 2010 till god only a few months ago it just ended. Uh is created by Pendleton Ward and uh the main premise of the show is it just follows uh main characters Jake the or Jake the dog and Finn the human as they go on kind of like wacky uh, sort of D&D style adventures. Yeah, definitely. It's heavily kind of influenced by yeah, that, I think. Yeah, especially early on, it's pretty influenced by D&D. Like, occasionally, they'll, like, Finn will just make a comment about how he can't do this because it's against his alignment or some shit yeah. like that. And it, it's a lot of that, and it kind of evolves out of that as the show goes along. Um, but it, like, definitely... I think was one of the first shows to like really go full throttle on this sort of like comedy via like just random shit, you know, form of comedy. At least definitely the first one aimed at children. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, so like, there's a lot of like wacky characters and the show kind of, uh, it, it sort of goes against a lot of narrative conventions. Like all of the like deeper underlying plot is usually revealed pretty anticlimactically and the characters all barely care. Uh, so the, the show is, I, I always refer to it as a little bit abusive in that way. Cause like you watch the show and then you get like a snippet of like an underlying significant plot and you're like, I'm sorry, what was that? What what did I just witness? And then it's not addressed again for another few seasons and only really offhand. <laughs> I do love that about Adventure Time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like, that's the, the main reason that I'm talking about it today is because, like, it uses a lot of, like, uh, it's got a lot of, lo- uh, like, underlying lore behind it that is all significant and meaningful to the story, but it doesn't really give you that, like, up front. So you sort of get snippets of it from, like, here and there and then you you know find out characters that you've been following for a long time have some more significance or like a tragic backstory or something the best example of this i think is the ice king who is like starts off the show as just like a you know a stereotypical crazy like evil wizard who like kidnaps princesses and you know finn and jake go and stop his evil doings and then, like, you kind of learn throughout the course of it that he, like, basically has fucking magic Alzheimer's. And yeah, that, that was a sad episode. He used to be a human being, nah. like, a thousand years ago. And then he, like, he was, like, a college researcher or professor or something. And he, like, found this, you know, ancient artifact, which was his crown. And then he put it on and it started slowly turning him crazy and giving him ice powers. And he then he starts losing his memory. And he's got, like, this whole long tragic backstory. Like, the you know, the loss of his girlfriend, he ends up befriending another character who, like, as when she's a little girl during, like, the apocalypse. Marceline. Oh, by the way, he- heck, there's the an apocalypse. That, uh, <laughs> uh, like, the fact that he befriended that uh, character is in, in and of itself a twist, because, like, when she was first introduced, we didn't know there was even a relation between her and Simon. And then you're like... And then, and then when you get to that reveal, you're like, I guess I never have seen Marceline and the Ice King in the same room together. Although there actually was scene where one scene where they were, I noticed it while rewatching it, but you know, it was just like an off mention. So it was like, yeah, you don't realize that there's like a connection between these characters until like you start to see them interact because basically the whole thing is more or less from Finn's perspective. 
And Finn only knows these people as they relate to him, but not as how, how they relate to each other. So, like, as the series progresses, you kind of get more and more of that. So it does a lot of kind of, like, anticlimactic reveals, which go against sort of, like, traditional narrative, like, climaxes and, and re- in you know, revealing the story in a sort of, like, more traditional sense. Um, and I can get into that a little bit later, but that, that's, that's the gist. Uh, it's a really fun time, and kind of the joy I get from the show is, like, you're watching it, and you get snippets of little information, and then the rest of it is, like, what we would basically consider to be filler, which is the main show, so it's not filler, but, like, you know, you get a bunch of wacky adventures with snippets of significant plot, and then every once in a while it becomes significant, but, yeah, that's that's basically Adventure Time in a nutshell. It's a great show. Go watch it. It's ten seasons. Awesome. Thank you. With all of our topic and uh, with all of our topics and domain summarized, uh, let's move on to the discussion. Um, so I got a few questions for you guys, and we also have some listener questions. So oh yeah, let's read not... those at the end. Yeah, well, we'll um, we will not forget so about my question, those. So my question, I think it's for both of you, but Chowder, you can answer first. Wow, I see how it is. Do you do you prefer something that kind of circumvents your expectations, or do you find? Because I know some people that actually find it very comforting that they know exactly where the story is going which mm. uh on which side are you of that like kind of di- that dichotomy uh i'm of the belief that if if it works it works i mean like if you do something that's a little more conventional but like you do it really well and and it's satisfying it i like it and if you do something unexpected and that works i i, I know that's not a very that's not exactly a the greatest of answers but like mm-hmm. It really is about execution at the end of the day, because like yeah. I had plenty of stuff where it's like uh, it does something unexpected. And it's like whoa, that was amazing, but just as many times where it's like wow, that's bullshit. Yeah, like <laughs> lost, mm. sideways in time. Fucking show should have been. Listen, canceled. I could go on about lost for a while, but <laughs> <laughs> like later seasons. Later seasons of Doctor Who are really, like, sacrifice quality for, oh, isn't this a twist? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that unexpected? You got, you nerds didn't see this coming, did you? Yeah, I think <laughs> to, to kind of jump in on this question, I, I agree with, with Chowder's general sentiment. I think that, like, twists and stuff like that can be really satisfying, but it has to be done kind of gracefully and thoughtfully. So, like, Adventure Time, I think, like the twists and like the nature of adventure time is is pretty natural because the all the whole show is kind of surreal in that way whereas like i think that a lot of the sort of twists in the good place worked really well but some of them were like oh okay i feel a little bit deceived by now by have receiving that information because like even just going back and watching the first episode Eleanor, before the reveal that she is not supposed to be there and is a bad person does not act like she does in the rest of the show even when she has even before she knows that she's that she has to be hiding that she's a bad person like she wakes up and goes and greets michael politely before he like tells her what's up like the the eleanor that we see later in the series would not do that so it feels like the show is just like hoping that you don't remember that the the character of eleanor changes halfway through the first episode I'd kind of I mean, argue against that i would imagine yeah, I'd if argue you woke that... up in a strange place and there was a very nicely dressed person. Like, oh, it's not about it was very who polite. would. 
It's about Eleanor because later her interactions that we see in flashbacks are like someone says something innocuous to her and she like basically verbally flips them off. Like well, you also she's not kind of polite. Think, you know, Michael has Michael has crafted this entry point to immediately throw them off balance. Yeah, that's like, fair. He's, he's researched and also, them and knows exactly how they're supposed to react. But okay, yeah. but. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to just to to just complain like that. That was one specific example for me. I think that most of the twists in the show are handled pretty well, and then even when you go back, you can you know see how it led there. But like another an example of that of like a bad sort of twist, right? Is like the one that I think of all the time is is in Frozen when it's like revealed that that Hans is actually evil the whole time, even though in previous parts of the movies we see him acting kind around no none of the people that he's trying to convince that he's a good guy so it's just like a oh is that a twist or were you just deceiving us into thinking one way because you know like they didn't think of a nuanced way to do it whereas in like the good place right like you can retrospectively think like huh i guess i haven't seen a scene with michael by himself in the rest of the show which you know makes his his whole character reveal from actually being a a good guy to an evil guy at the end make a lot of sense because you're like yeah, you didn't see it coming necessarily, but it's not because the show was like deceiving you. Well, it was deceiving you, but it was doing it more tactfully and like in a way that like doesn't ring false when you go and and rewatch it. Whereas like some twists, I think, have that potential of like, oh, when you go back, it's like, oh, they just made that up last episode, didn't they? You know what I mean? Because yeah, like, like it uh, doesn't make sense when you like it's a retcon that doesn't essentially like actually track for the rest of the series. Whereas like that twist in particular, when you go back, it like it does feel like it was probably planned from the start, as opposed to something that they decided a few episodes before the end of it. Uh, yeah, and I th- I think the nature of what makes a good twist is that the twist doesn't or bolsters like the themes that the storyteller wants to convey. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like in the good place, when it's revealed that there, everyone's actually in the bad place. It, the good place is about like what is right and what is wrong in a humorous, lighthearted manner. And when the twist happens, it gets you to do that. It gets you to question what is right and what is wrong. It is, it is a mm-hmm. goofy comedy about with, with like a light sprinkling of like, ethics and philosophy yeah and it turns into <laughs> yeah. a goofy comedy about with a light sprinkling of ethics and comedy or ethics and philosophy afterward with undertale whenever a twist happens it's all done to like bolster the themes of like choices have consequence your choices mm-hmm. have consequences and and like you cannot expect to do anything without uh facing facing those consequences uh, and like even with Adventure Time, like when it does something unexpected, whether through anticlimax or actual climax, it uh it's all done to like create this unexpected coming of age story for Finn and yeah. the characters. I'd say that like the main purpose of it in Adventure Time is like it takes this world which is very alien and very like not our real world, but it it but it's like anticlimax is is an attempt and I think a successful one to make it feel like the way things would be happening in the real world if you're, you know, ignoring the fact of all these wacky characters, right? Because, like, at the end of the series, like, we know more information about the world than, like, Finn and Jake do. There's a lot of stuff that they just plan out, plan never figure out. And some of it is kind of significant about, like, the nature of the world and, like, the history of that world and, like, how everything is operating. 
like we get snippets of it, but we don't even get the full story. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. kind of replicating in real life where it's just like, yeah, there are going to be some some mysteries that you just straight up never get the answers to. And Adventure Time does that in a way that's like it's not frustrating in the way that like, you know, it, it poses a question and never and then never answers it. It just gives you snippets of answers so that you can kind of like derive meaning from it. But then at the end of the day, like the characters never know. So why should you? Yeah, you'll never get the answers, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't enjoy the ride anyway yeah like undertale is like that too where you don't get the full story like there are a couple of characters that like you only get little bits of so you never know Mm -hmm. what they are all about it's very much left left to you to form opinions about them and uh yeah no it's like it's kind of like undertale's uh themes of like mercy and seeing the humanity and others being brought to the test you know where you don't get to have the full story what do you do even then you know (laughs) true 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 all right another question for you guys i do feel there's a little disparity in amount of i want to say how much you like the show between the two i think chowder (laughs) you you like the show jeff i think you are okay with the show it's not your favorite i'll 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 let my opinions out more in the ratings but but so i'm gonna touch on something because you uh jeff you brought up a little bit do you think the twist do i mean both of you do you think the twist was earned i think it was very earned yeah um Jeff doesn't think so. He doesn't. I'm trying to recognize my bias here because I did know going in that there was going to be a twist. So my mind, I think, like, was kind of thinking the whole time, this is not as it seems. And I don't, I cannot say whether or not I would have been thinking that had I not known that there was going to be a twist. Because, like, when when I was knowing, when I knew that there was going to be a twist, one of the first ones I thought of was, oh, this is actually the bad place. I didn't know to quite to the extent that 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 was. I didn't realize that like all of the other characters were like fake, basically, right? I didn't know it was going to be just the four of them. But that was one of my first suspicions upon knowing that there was a twist. Is that like, hmm, some things don't quite add up, and I don't think it's lazy writing on their part. So I'm thinking like, eh, this might not be exactly what they're telling us it is because like, <laughs> yeah. what are the odds that they f- that in like in one particular uh town or what do they call it? They not call them neighborhoods. Neighborhood, yeah. In one particular neighborhood, they fucked up two entries of like yeah. a neighborhood of like 50 people. I was thinking like, what the fuck are the odds of that? So I'm thinking like, ah. <laughs> I like that thought. The thought of maybe this is the bad place came to my mind as well when I was watching the first season. But the thing is, mm-hmm. I didn't want to believe it. Cause like, I really liked, yeah. I really liked Michael and like, so when delightful. It turned out, yeah. When it turned out he was like a, a demon all along who was torturing everybody. It's like, I got this sense of betrayal. Like Michael, I Ted dance. And what did you do? Yeah. To me? I, I believed in you. <laughs> but see, that's the thing too, is that like, that's, the twist kind of like I had that same feeling, but it, it sort of left a bad aftertaste for me because like I Michael was my favorite part about the show and like yeah, all of well, his like charming, like, yep. you know, bumblefuckery. And then to find out that that was all fake was kind of like, uh, oh, all right. well, it's not necessarily fake. But <laughs> well, that's, I don't know. Like, no, his bumblefuckery, his like politeness, his coolness, his niceties, they aren't really fake. Because uh, you haven't seen the second season because he continues to be that same person, but it's just more outward with like hmm. his intentions. He's yeah, like, always, I like, see. I'm, I'm, like, 
Yep, all I'm going to say is watch the second season. I think you'll still continue to like his character, the character okay, of Michael. Okay. Yeah. But and that I guess what I'm saying is like for me it felt like I was I was like uh you know, I thought of that as a potential twist and then when it got to be that twist I was like, "Oh, that one." But Michael is so fun. You know, like that was my yeah. initial reaction to <laughs> Disappointment. it. Disappointment. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, like that I mean, my reaction was, "Oh no, but Michael, I I like Michael." And yeah. and that like, I don't know, betrayal is like of great feeling cuz like it's so rare for a show to make you just feel something so strongly, you know? I like, guess. Even, I don't know. Even if it's a negative yeah. emotion that we consider we what we'd consider a negative emotion in real life, like the ability for a show to like make you just feel like betrayed or let down by a character is like yeah. pretty fucking good. Yeah. People, yeah. The perception of the characters change a lot. Um, but leading to my next question. So the, there is like uh, the main cast is six people. Yeah. You have Michael, who's the quote unquote architect. You have Janet, who is the metaphysical equivalent of Google and Amazon mixed together. Kind of, um, you have Janet's Eleanor. a great fucking character. <laughs> Yeah, she got even Eleanor. better in the second season. <laughs> She's so good. Uh, then you have Eleanor. You have Chidi. Uh, you have Chidi. You have Tahani, and then you have you got Chidi Anna Kendrick. Yeah, <laughs> and then you have um, John Yu slash Jason. A uh, J- Jason. 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 Um, each one of them kind of fills a different spot. So you have Michael, who is this kind of traitorous. Oh, like even that aspect, it's set up almost towards a point of like one is always lying one is always telling the truth so janet cannot lie by definition mm-hmm. and michael always lies by definition because otherwise to tell the truth would expose what he is doing right so that there's a cool dynamic there you have eleanor who is the supposed to be like the every kind of person except maybe tilted more chaotic awful than like the usual. Really? she's pretty awful <laughs> no that's what i'm saying a, t- a, a tad bit more create like chaotic awful like like the best way to put it is she's not out and out evil but but she's a douche her yeah she's problem, she's a definite douche her, um, her main problem is that she is self to self- risk to risk getting a little bit political here I I have I'm pretty suspicious that her character is derived a lot from Tommy Lauren because she feels not, like no, that like her her I don't I don't feel that at all she's she's not racist she's not racist she's not like a Trumpist they don't make her out to be like a Trump supporter or anything like that she's just uncaring of other people's thoughts and emotions is really what it comes out to be she's a hundred percent self serving I I'm not um, sure but I'm pretty sure the term yeah, snowflake was it, used at least once. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't bite on that. Is it just because she's a blonde woman? No, it's not because (laughs) she's a blonde woman. Let's not get crazy with it. Uh, but as, uh, and then there's Chidi, who is the morality ethics professor. Yeah. Um, he's kind of plays the conscious of the group. He's always thinking of the morality angles of everything they're doing and trying to teach these people to do good. Yeah. You have Tahani, who is kind of this... She has done a lot of good things in her life, but not necessarily yeah, she... for the right reasons. Yeah, she hasn't done anything good in her life for the yeah, right she's reason. she's a socialite who does a lot of charity work and philanthropy, but ultimately... But it's a lot it of it's for image. To, it was ultimately look, to look good in front of other people, so... Yeah, she wanted yeah. to impress her parents. She wanted to get back at her sister. She doesn't want like she just wants to be kind of be number one is kind of what it comes out to be all of all the good things she has done was really for herself so that's the reason she's in the bad place she's very selfish chidi's reason for being in the bad place is that 
by he being such a moral particularist. Indecisive, yeah. yeah. His indecisiveness that, caused pain to his friends. If we have so, to give a reason for Chidi being the bad place, that was not the one that I was thinking. Because I had that suspicion, when I was having the suspic- suspicion, that is why I kept he, trying to think of like why all the characters should be in the bad place. And like when they said that that was the reason that Chidi was there. His personal selfishness. Yeah. His, his personal selfishness and the way he treats morality and ethics causes pain to everybody around him. I was a little bit surprised that, like, upon the revelation that this was the bad place, no one brought up the fact that Chidi and, De- and uh, fuck, what's her name? Tia- Tahani. Tahani. Were really ready to, like, throw their friends into hell. No one fucking brought that up. Just be, like, the, I was expecting the, uh, the reveal for to be in bad place having a lot to do with, like, the fact that these people were really ready to characterize others as either good or bad. And in my mind, that is bad. Yeah, that's why they're in the bad place. That but is, th- that but is that's never the... brought up, is it? It doesn't have to be brought up. They are showing their true colors in that. I mean, yeah. it's, the show does a pretty good job of not hand-holding you and explaining every single one of these people's flaws. Yeah. I mean, But it explains enough of them that every single one that isn't explained feels like a bit of an oversight. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think it leaves a lot of it up to you kind of watching and learning and seeing what they do. Like, it's, they don't... Like, their main flaws they bring up. So Eleanor, she's uncaring about other people's thoughts and emotions. Jason is just a complete... He's a fucking idiot. ...who has no moral (laughs) compass whatsoever. Like, like Jason's big problem is that he has no impulse control. Yeah, zero impulse control. Whatever he wants, he just goes for it. Yeah. And he doesn't think about how it affects others at all. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, And I think it does a pretty good job of showing that in both like oh you just did that thing that was bad and also showing you just how they act when they're around other people like if you look in the background jason is almost always never paying attention he's always doing something yeah. in the background like <laughs> playing with I his love hands jason. <laughs> like if there's something he can fiddle with in the background that's what he does while eleanor will look you straight in the face and listen to everything you have to say but she won't be listening to anything that does not specifically mention her and they kind of carried that through into the show. The Jason twist was probably my favorite in the show. Yeah. Because <laughs> John used twist. They thought that like he was holy they monk. thought that he was he was a holy like Tibetan monk named Jianyu, right? And then the healing powers. In like the fourth episode <laughs> or something, he like confronts Elnor by sending him a note that's saying, like, oh, you don't belong here. And then they meet up at the end of the episode and he's like, I know who you are. And this is the first time we heard him speak through the entire episode because he was like had a vow of silence and she's just like oh shit and then he's just like i don't belong here either it's <laughs> he <starts laughs> just yeah, like my it's... name's not Gianniu, it's jason and it, it turns I'm out he's just florida. like a fucking from floridian <laughs> from Jacksonville, dj florida. <laughs> everybody thinks i'm chinese and that's racist i'm filipino <laughs> yeah he, he's a dj from florida which yeah yeah honestly instant bad you, place you, you deserve to go to hell from for that <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah i think it does a real, I think in general, the show does a really good job of kind of demonstrating their mainstream flaws and showing them on different levels of why they kind of don't deserve to be in the good place mm-hmm. for various reasons and through flashbacks and through how they act in the good place uh, when the pressure is turned up. I think the last episode when they're trying to decide who should go to the bad place is a really good indicator of the fact that none of them really belong in the good place. They're all willing to throw each other under the bus to a certain extent. Well, except um, for like Eleanor, who's who's the character who grows throughout the most throughout yeah. the series, really, because like she starts off pretty god awful. Well, I mean, well, I guess she's like, never she's... that awful in the bad place. But when you see her flashback, she's like terrible. Yeah. 
it, it does a really good point of making it show that she is capable of being a good person if she puts in an iota of effort. Yeah. And it, I think it keeps, it keeps that up throughout the rest of the seasons, too. She is sometimes like the shining light of leading people. Like, as Michael puts it, he expected Chidi to try to teach her ethics and how to be a good person. What he didn't expect was for Chidi to do such a good job at it. Yeah. Well, I hate to cut the discussion short because I'm. I think we're having, we're in a really good area of uh, discussion, but we do have some listener questions. Ooh. Maybe if we have some extra time after this, we can cut into some other stuff. So we have three listener questions. Oh boy. The first one is from my beautiful and lovely girlfriend Jasmine Baker. Um, and it is: Do you think the sh- do you think a show like this alienates any of its viewers because of the religious concept of heaven and hell? Um, uh, I think if anything, it would be alienating towards super religious people, not because it, it definitely takes like a like it, it separates itself, I think, from like the religious aspects of it. And instead of it being like, oh, sins and virtues, it just brings it down to like everyday douchiness and everyday like kind acts. So if anything, I think that it would be alienating towards like people who are super religious because like it, you know, it's kind of removing the, the like perhaps values that, that they had been growing up to think of as good and bad. But I don't even think of that. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even sure. I, cause I, I'm religious, I'm a Muslim, but I didn't, I didn't really have a problem with the good place. Uh, yeah, no, I, I guess, I mean, I it's guess abstract like, enough that it's not insulting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it does make a kind of point being like, it's not, oh, just one religion was wrong. All of them are wrong. They all got about 5% right. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> yeah. kind of fucked up. No, It's too big and too wonderful and beautiful and mysterious for any one person to really understand. Yeah, and um, I, I don't think that it, it doesn't really take that many jabs at religion where it seems like the premise of it easily could, yeah, you know? I, I do believe that. Yeah, they, they avoid that fight. Pretty much the good place just sidesteps the whole religious religion thing altogether. It doesn't insult it, it doesn't compliment it, it's just not a thing. It's not what it wants to focus. It's not what the good place wants to focus on. Yeah. Alright, so second question, this is from Abby Harvey, and the original question was quite long, and had spoilers for later seasons, because I think she's almost up to date on the on season 3, so I've culled it down a little bit, so it's non-spoilery. Um, so it's kind of, a, she has two questions, but this first question kind of has two parts. What do you think the world was like after they died? Was the world a better place without them? Uh, without Eleanor, yeah, definitely. Well, and just without <laughs> any of them, without the four. Uh, I haven't seen season three. I wouldn't know. I, I honestly wouldn't. I mean, know. I'm just thinking. Generally speaking, if you, if you think they deserve to be in the bad place, that kind of means that they the world would be better off without. Them. Uh, that's my kind of. That's maybe a morality question. Yeah. My take on the characters. I think that the way that we saw Eleanor and Jason asking uh, acting in life i think that the world probably was better off without them i i'm not totally sold on tahani and chidi though i think that chidi might be a bit more neutral but a lot of tahani stuff like she added a lot of good to the world but so i think that like you know her death means that like not all these charitable things might have necessarily still been happening regardless of her personal motivations Mm -hmm. I don't think that necessarily speaks to whether or not she was a good person, but I don't think that the world was necessarily better off without her. Um, and Chidi, I, I don't know. Like, I he meant well, so I don't. I don't necessarily agree that all of his like indecisiveness should have landed him there. But well, the thing about Chidi is, while he hasn't done like any extreme bad thing, his constant 
like his constant indecisiveness is uh has basically made it so that he hasn't really had much effect upon the world so yeah really the only impact he's left is the pain in the ass he was to the people around him. Yeah, so those characters are kind of foils of each other in the sense that, like, Chidi generally had pretty good motivation, but because of his indecisiveness was kind of a pain to people, whereas Tahani had bad motivation, but she actually was, you know, putting good kind into the good. world because of it. So, I, I don't know, that's, that's the, like, in the specific way that that question is phrased, I would say that the world is probably not a better place sans Tiani because like she was actually being you know philanthropic and putting good out into the world yeah I think the question kind of brings up an interesting kind of point of view for each character so you can kind of look as Eleanor is someone that actively avoids doing the right thing consciously Jason is somebody that's actively not doing the right thing unconsciously he's too dumb to really give it thought Chidi does the wrong thing because he thinks he's Maybe you could say he, he, as a morality professor teaching people morality, he's doing a greater net good for the world at large, but on a personal level, on a personal level, he's destroying his friends to some extent with his indecision. Yeah. Yeah. And but then, like, even then, like, uh, as we see from his, like, uh, incredibly long essay and, like, yeah. comments that suggest that, that his students don't really pay attention to him, that, his time as a morality professor was maybe was, wasted was squandered wasn't quite fruit, fruitful yeah yeah and i think tahani's is like the more complicated one because outwardly she's doing so much good for the world creating billions but she's, she's kind of an asshole wrong <laughs> yeah and it seems like she's only really hurting herself yeah she couldn't give a damn about the people she's helping but she is still helping them but she's still helping them she seems to have a lot of friends she doesn't seem to be a destructive person with friendships like say chidi is so it seems like her issue is that she's just doing it for the wrong reasons and more or less hurting herself with her own self-doubt and indecision and stuff and, like that. And I think that the show kind of gets into, like, you know, Chidi kind of lays out the two different, I don't remember exactly what each of them are called, and I definitely learned them in high school at one point, but, like, the two different, uh, like, schools of thought on on ethics, right, which are, like, oh. the outcome versus the motivation, right? And I think that the four of them kind of fall on like the square of that feature. They yeah, they kind exactly. Of end on whereas spectrum. like yeah, whereas like you know, Jason doesn't have any has like you know a neutral motivation and a negative outcome, and Eleanor has a negative, I think, motivation and a negative outcome, and Tahani has a negative motivation and a positive and a good, outcome, and positive outcome, and Chidi has a positive motivation and a neutral negative uh, outcome so it's like he has a positive motivation and a positive outcome so of course not they're in hell place yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) we got one more question all right Uh, this one's a little bit more this is kind of fun uh this is also from abby harvey um what would your frozen yogurt shop be more specifically um (laughs) what is the food you really don't like but don't really hate but definitely wouldn't want to eat every day and that's kind of an inside joke for a good place every restaurant (laughs) is a frozen yogurt place um the most medium and like mediocre of foods oh geez uh what I mean, would I, your frozen yogurt shop be i'm in gonna your give this one to chalice first i gotta think about this uh okay okay i got it yeah, i think i think my frozen yogurt shop would be like uh splurging on like something uh some material possession that feels nice in the moment but like oh, shit. Makes it, <laughs> motherfuckers getting real but, metaphysical i was just thinking of food 
that but like racks you with guilt but racks okay. you with guilt afterwards because you spent money that you shouldn't have spent yeah that, all right like, remember i was like, just gonna say chicken like chicken. <laughs> yeah but chicken is so good though well chicken i mean delicious. for you maybe i'm just like i'm kind of neutral on chicken i like chicken sometimes but if i had to eat it every day i think i'd really fucking hate chicken oh boy <laughs> whereas other things chicken? like a grilled cheese Ooh, sandwich if i had to eat a grilled cheese sandwich every day it would take me a lot longer to to get <laughs> to get sick of it no no because like you know in the good place like there's a running joke that like there are flavors for concepts that shouldn't really be a flavor like oh, yeah <laughs> like a true, full yeah. cell phone battery yeah <laughs> exactly, having a full exactly. Cell phone battery um all right so i think uh we're, we're just a little bit over time on our discussion section so i think it's a good time to kind of move on a little bit um, let's do it so if uh, if you want to have your own questions read we had a couple this time which is really great or a question or comment read on the show we make weekly posts on facebook and twitter uh, where you can comment and reply and we'll be sure to talk about it. So if you put it out there, we will definitely listen and we will definitely talk about it. Um, so I think it's about time to move on to that. The most dreaded of rating sections. Um, thank you guys for I'm true say, bad place. Good discussion. Uppercase good. Um, <laughs> we had a, a net positive discussion. <laughs> Yeah, net positive. And we're going to begin. Uh, each one of our representatives is going to rate the topic on a scale of one to five cactuses. Okay. I, oh, I so, I'm it. sorry, I what? Yeah. I don't. <laughs> so it's a reference to a part in the story where they turn off Janet, who is the Google of the good place. Oh, right. And when she so comes cacti, back, she just can't cacti. stop okay. Michael cactuses. Cacti. <laughs> You're killing it's me. It's one to five cacti. Every time um, you say cactuses, that, that takes a point off of your ability to go to the good place. Right? I, dude, I... I'm never going to a good place to set up like that. <laughs> I curse all the time. I do dumb things first. I mean, I got Colin to call the Oscar Mayer Wiener hotline and threaten to burn down their factory. I'm hey, never fucking going to excuse good me? <laughs> what did you? What the fuck? Well, you'll the f- listen. You'll hear it next week on the Common Briefing Program, <laughs> <laughs> or you've heard it two weeks ago. <laughs> the things white people can get away with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't you're right. do that. I can't do that. The <laughs> government would be on my ass if I did that. True we, facts. You're both maybe going to get our privilege checked very soon. We'll see what happens. Oh God, I fucking <laughs> hope so. If you're threatening to burn down hot dogs, <laughs> they made a hotline because they declared hot dogs are sandwiches. A hot dog and they made line. A hotline for people to yell into the wind about it and complain. So. <laughs> For whatever reason, I see. <laughs> During the podcast, we decided okay. to call. That's very different than than like calling yeah. them up directly and threatening to burn yeah, them. No, no, no. Yeah, it was it was it wasn't a person on the other end. It was an answering machine. I'm sure it goes straight okay. into the delete file. But it does make me very happy that there is a recording of Colin threatening violence to a wiener factory somewhere in Oscar Myers, Oscar Myers <laughs> mainframe. Um, but yeah, so uh, let's go with you first, uh, Chatter. How would you rate the Good Place? Uh. You know, I would rate it five cactuses out of five cacti. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what about you, Jeff? I feel like it's probably going to be a little less. It, it is a little bit less, yeah. I, I, I would say that The Good Place gets a solid three out of five cacti for me. There was a lot I liked about it, and I, I did have an enjoyable time watching it. It was charming, but at the end of the day, I think that, eh, yeah, I don't know. Not all of it totally did it for me. Um, like, some of the, some of the stuff just, like, 
for me at least broached on being really clever, but didn't quite get there, whereas other parts did. So uh, it is a a a net positive. We get it. You're so smart. <laughs> Fuck <God>. you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah broached no, on clever. Yeah, me no. I I really liked it. I thought it was really clever. I really liked all the philosophical. No chowder. It broached on clever. Get it right. <laughs> I'm sorry for having opinions. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I like the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, uh, uh, I, I really like the philosophical stuff they get into. Uh, and, like, and I really like season two. I, I know I can't talk about it because Jeff hasn't seen it. but like, I'll watch it. I really enjoyed it. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Like, the philosophical things, like, I liked all the parts with the philosophical stuff. But I f- do kind of feel like it could have gone further into that and gotten a bit more in depth because I felt it that stayed a little bit surface level with its philosophical like you know uh tinkering and I I personally would have liked to see it go further into that aspect of it but anyway I mean I mean ultimately it does have you to can't, be for yeah to make it interesting you have to kind of tone it down yeah like ultimately it does have to be for general audiences and well at the end of the day Jeff you and I we took like fucking philosophy classes in high school so I didn't take any philosophy class in high school. <laughs> no, that, that's basically oh, besides what theory, theory of, of knowledge. Yeah, that's theory true. Theory of knowledge. That's basically what theory of knowledge was. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, but I liked it. I did like it. Just not my favorite I'm, thing. I'm glad that you both enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And I thought it'd be something very fun and interesting. Cause I like, if I wasn't going to be an engineering major in college, I was probably going to be a philosophy major. And, uh, <laughs> I'm definitely probably a little more financially stable because of that, but <laughs> it was planned. That's a jab at Austin Liebers right there. <laughs> have fun, <laughs> Liebs. Yeah, have fun, nerd. <laughs> we gonna do deontology? Was it deontology? That's one of them. <laughs> you gonna deontology at me, bro? Gonna, that's gonna get your that's moral just, particularism around here. I mean, dude, that's just absurdist. <laughs> God damn it. Can't right. do that, alright? Can't. Just... Ah. <laughs> alright, so next. Every pun you make pushes you closer to the bad place, Chowder. But also <laughs> somehow will... to the good place. Then I will burn it <laughs> I'm gonna give the uh, Gold Star Student Award. And for this one. Oh, wait, for the person that I think that really got philosophical in this episode that really brought it to a new level <laughs> and it's going to be the golden janet award yes um janet. the golden janet and i think damn it janet and this isn't a stab at jeff but it's chowder yeah that's uh, true. <laughs> i think i think his enthusiasm leaked through a lot um and he was uh and also he really brought to light a subject that i liked i've i own undertale i've yet to play it and now i actually really want to play it because uh, now i know Do more it. about Do it and it. it's gonna like mess with my expectations and make me work for the kind of ending I want. Congratulations. Do you have any words of, do you have a, do you have a small speech, uh, speech repair? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, <clears throat> Janet, get me some uh, jalapeno poppers, please. Ding. Yay. <laughs> Those are oh, cactus. Oh, it's just, it's just a cactus. Right. But yeah, thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys for the great discussion. I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, all right. So that about wraps it up. Um, thank you guys uh, for listening to the Comic Game Program. I was your host, Ryan Mossbarger. And you can find me at Ryan underscore M-O-S-S-B on Twitter. And again, I've been joined by... Yo, I'm uh, Timul Chowdhury, or Chowder, whichever you prefer. You can find me at Twitter, uh, on Twitter, at Timul Chowdhury. <laughs> I'm at Twitter. <laughs> Chowder lives the in the there. Twitter. <laughs> I am the tweet. Jeff? Oh. 
Sorry, that was that was your whole <laughs> spiel. Okay, yeah. Hi, my name is Jeff. Uh, uh, I you can find me on Instagram. Sorry, you can find me at Instagram <laughs> at things I wish existed. And there's a dot between each word. I put some art stuff up on there occasionally. Nice. And then next week our our episode, I believe it's going to be hosted by you, Jeff. Right? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, what's the next topic? We're going to be talking about toys and media that is influenced by uh, the production of toys. Um, and like in Transformers. Yeah, like with Transformers. We're going to be talking about Transformers. And for this, I'm having them, we're not directly, like, super directly talking about it, but the, what I'm having them watch is, uh, I think it's season two, episode three of the uh, Netflix documentary series, The Toys That Made Us. It's the one that's oh, about Transformers. Cool. Uh, nice. Whichever episode that is. I think it's season two, episode three, but. Editor's note, it's season two, episode two. It's a really, really fun time. Would recommend checking that out. It's just interesting. It's going to be a really interesting episode. Hope so. Be sure to tune in next Friday, December 7th, and follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Geeking Program. Any engagement, such as sharing a post, tagging us, or tweeting hashtag CGP, will enter you to a raffle where you get to pick uh, a new future topic. Um, Reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is critical in helping helping and growing our show, and we'll read new reviews live on air. Uh, Anyway. Thanks for listening, subscribing, sharing, everything, and we're going to talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for being here, guys. I really appreciate the discussion. Yeah, you uh, listening to this podcast gives you a couple points towards going to the good place, but the real good place, not the one that the show takes place in. <laughs> subscribing and rating us gives you like a million points. So it's you're true. It's actually the, the most ethical thing you can do on this planet. Like, if you have a choice between... Uh, curing world hunger and listening to an episode of our podcast and rating on an Apple and uh, Apple podcasts, then uh, I think you know which one is really going to help you out in the long run when it turns to going up the upstairs or downstairs. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm saying. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Bye. That's Bye. all. Bye. This episode of the Common Geeking Program is hosted by Ryan Mossbarger, joined by Timul Chowdhury and Jeff Levitt. This episode is sponsored by Colin and Jeff actually agreeing on something but not being in the same episode to suss it out. The podcast is created and produced by Colin Ketchen and Jeff Levitt, with this episode edited by me, Colin Ketchen, featuring original music also by me. Next week, we're talking about the toys that made us and Transformers. There's going to be a little bit of fun stuff sprinkled in there. So stay tuned for that. We will see you next week. And thank you for listening to this. No other further things. Let's get the let's 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 slaughter this pig. Um, <laughs> I can't. I'm Muslim. I cannot eat pork. You don't oh. have to eat it. You just have to kill it. We That's kill okay, it. right? <laughs> oh, okay. I'm fine with killing it. Killing. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> let's cook this chicken then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, chicken isn't vegan.